have just prayed, so we'll read Exodus chapter 33 and uh, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Depart, go up from here, you and the people whom you have brought up out of the land of Egypt, to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, To your offspring I will give it. I will send an angel before you, and I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up among you, lest I consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. When the people heard this disastrous word, they mourned, and no one put on his ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, that I may know what to do with you. Therefore the people of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments, from Mount Horeb onwards. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp. And he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went to the tent, all the people would rise up and each one would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he'd gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent and the Lord would speak to Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. Moses said to the Lord, See, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, <clears throat> if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways, that I may know you, in order to find favor in your sight. Consider too that this nation is your people. And God said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And Moses said to God, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. 
For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, This very thing that you have spoken, I will do. For you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. Moses said, Please show me your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock. And I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Well, we're going to be learning about how God and Moses spoke and understood the way God wanted to be with his people. Let's uh, stop there. The children are going to their different groups, and uh, we'll... Uh, carry on in a moment in the room here. Well, let's uh, start as we uh, uh, think about that passage, Exodus chapter 33. And let me ask you a question. If God was to give you everything that you wanted, absolutely everything that you wanted, and then say to you, right, okay, I'm going to leave you to enjoy everything that I've given you, all the best, of everything would you be happy to take the offer that God is making because that's actually what he's saying to people in Exodus chapter 33 he says that he's going to give them absolutely everything so good uh, is verse 3 it says that he's going to give them a land flowing with milk and honey an abundance of the best God says, I'm going to give you all of this and I'm going to let you go and enjoy it. I'm not coming with you because last week, last chapter, we saw how God's people were not listening to God and therefore God says, I won't come with you. If I come with you, I will have to sort out your disobedience. So it's better if I don't. You go and enjoy everything that I've given you. I won't be there. Would you take up an offer like that? You can have all the delights of God without any of the demands of God. Is that okay with you? Sounds good, doesn't it? But yet, interestingly, although they offered this wonderful new country, it's drawn like that, um, just colouring the milk and the honey. <laughs> The amazing thing is, 
that they said that would be the biggest disaster in the world. And you will see the biggest disaster is uh, there described in verse 4. The people heard this disastrous word that they would have everything without God around. And that would be a complete disaster. That's interesting, isn't it? Because normally when we think about disasters, we think about people who've, who've lost everything. And that's a disaster. Here we are talking about a people who get everything and yet have lost God. That is a disaster. And that's how they see it. And you see that they've come a long way and they've changed their mind to now look at uh, things in this new uh, direction. Because in chapter 32, they were happy to just simply get safe passage into this new country. And then that's all they wanted. And they were happy even to get a golden calf. As long as this golden calf would get them to the new country, they didn't need God. It's the new country they wanted and the safe passage would be provided by the golden calf. But now, now they're thinking very differently. Now they're saying, look, we don't even want an angel to take us into the new country. Only the Lord will do if we're going to live there. Now, why is it that they've changed their mind in that kind of way? But the Bible doesn't actually tell us, but it may be that the way that these chapters are laid out, we've got a big clue. Because you might remember, before they worshipped the golden calf in Exodus chapter 32, that the previous week we studied chapters 25 to 31, where they were going to make a special tent, remember? And the purpose of that special tent or tabernacle, if you look at chapter 25 uh, and um, uh, verse 8, the purpose of that tabernacle or tent was that God would be able to live there with them. It says in chapter 25 verse 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. That was the whole point of the tabernacle. But now, it seems in chapter 33, after this golden calf thing, the tabernacle project is over. God is not going to live with his people anymore. And uh, so they think that is a complete disaster. God was going to live with his people, not so that they could cozy up to God and say, okay, everything is hunky-dory now that we've got God living with us. The whole point of God living with his people is to show the nations what an amazing thing is when God chooses a special people and lives amongst them so that the nations would say hey I wish I had a God like that I want to have a God living with me the way they do but now they uh, uh, say no God won't live with them and uh, they are going to uh, leave that uh, uh, good life uh, because to have it without God was going to be a disaster because if they were going to have the good life and God was not going to be there 
then the whole purpose for their existence, that the nations would look and say, now we understand how brilliant God is, their whole purpose would evaporate. They'd just go and enjoy the good stuff. But there would be no purpose to their life anymore. God had always intended this nation to be a special nation to attract the attention of every other nation. And it is a horrible thing to have all the good stuff without a purpose to make God known if you are one of his people. And so what begins in chapter 33 is, if you like, a little bit of a new start. Because in verse 10, you notice that uh, Moses uh, begins to make a tent. Now, <clears throat> it's uh, not really the tent that we were talking about in chapters 25 to 31. That special tabernacle hasn't been built yet. Uh, this is not that tent, but it's, it's a bit like it in the way that Moses can meet God there. But it's not the same as the tent because the tent in the tabernacle we were talking about just now is to help God to live with his people in the midst of his people. But now, this tent in chapter 33, God is not living in the midst of the temple. They've pitched the tent way outside the camp, quite a distance from the camp. So God is not living amongst his people in this particular tent. It's a kind of halfway house tent meeting for people who had a halfway house relationship with God. And so they uh, have this um, uh, tent and they aren't allowed anywhere near it, but Moses is allowed very near it. It's very clear that Moses has a very good relationship with God and it seems like the two of them are spending a lot of time together these days as Moses goes off to the tent. And if you want to be, they weren't allowed near the tent, but Moses was, but if you want to go near the tent and um, you want it to be, if you like, a, a fly on the wall, or I suppose you could say a fly on the canvas, and you wanted to listen to what was going on in the tent, well, actually, today you can. Because in verses 12 to 17, you get to understand the conversation, what was said between Moses and God. And what they discover is not the way to the greatest disaster, which is to have good things without God and no purpose. What they discover is the greatest blessing. And the greatest blessing, as you can see in this conversation that Moses has with God, where Moses is after just one thing, and that is the presence of God with his people. Moses is really hammering for that. And the way Moses plays his cards is he's saying, God, you know I have a special relationship with you? A very special relationship with you? Well, that is going to be the subject of our conversation. So Moses talks about the special relationship that he has with God. And uh, he says, right, I want to have this 
God, for you to have this special relationship with your people. But in verse 13, he's using his special relationship with God as, if you like, a lever. He's getting leverage out of that when he says, Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, now please show me your way. So that's God and Moses. And they, Moses has a very, very special relationship with him. And now he says, I want you to take your people to yourself. So he wants, if you like, God and Moses to be God and God's people. He says, I want you, if you show me favor, show them favor. That's what I'm asking for. Now, Israel have got no favor with God. Only Moses has. Israel's got no favor because if you look at Exodus chapter 32, just the previous chapter and verse 30 and verse 31, they have done a great evil in the sight of God. Chapter 32, verse 30, the next day Moses said to the people, you have sinned a great sin. Now I will go up to the Lord, perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, alas, this people has sinned a great sin. The most you can say for God's people is that they had sinned a great sin. They let God down badly. But Moses is saying, well, I will use the favor that I have with God as leverage to get God and his people back together again. Does it work? Well, if you look at verse 17, you'll say, well, God tells Moses, nice try, but no. Because in verse 17 of chapter 33, God says, um, it's just uh, over the page, isn't it? Uh, the Lord said to Moses, this very thing, uh, sorry, uh, in verse 14, uh, uh, he, he tells Moses, my presence will go with you, singular, just you, Moses, and I will give you rest. So, Moses, you're going to be all right, but the rest of the people, no. And then Moses says, okay, no new tactic. Moses once again presses on this special relationship that he has with God. And he says, uh, God, uh, I am with Moses, how on earth will, you, will people know that I have found favor in your sight if you don't go with me and your people? The only way, God, you can prove that I have found favor in your sight is if you help me and your people to get to the place that you have promised. He says, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how will it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? God, look, don't get this wrong, God, but me and your people are like this. If you're going to show favor to me, it's got to be that for your people as well. You can't separate us and bless one rather than the other. 
And he said, this is important because there is no other nation that is going to be as distinct at the end of verse 16 as this nation. And again, you see what he's doing is he's helping God to say, look, why are we meant to be a distinct people? It is so the rest of the world can come in. Because the rest of the world will want to be uh, with you as their God and to be your people too. So the whole point of this relationship is to show the rest of the world what a relationship with God can be like. And therefore God, what Moses is saying to God is, if you abandon us, you are abandoning your whole missionary purpose for the rest of this world. You mustn't do that. And that seems to be the clincher, because in verse 17, God says, yes, this very thing that you have spoken, I will do, because you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. And so God is going to allow this people to be his showcase nation after all. And as Hannah said in the children's slot, why do we want to know about this? Why do we know how, want to know how God was talking to this person 4,000 years ago? It is because God wants us tonight to know how secure you and I are because of what the Lord Jesus has done. Because the Lord Jesus is what Moses is showing us in this uh, passage. And he's helping us to see that the whole project of the Lord Jesus was uh, to uh, be a man who was under the favor of his father. And the whole project of the Lord Jesus was to link himself with God's people so God would now have favor not just on his son, but on the people who were joined to him. And that's why Jesus came down to earth. In no other religion do you have God actually living amongst people and so closely caught up with them that, uh, uh, that they can turn around and say, God, if you are going to show me favor, well, these are my people. You've got to include them. We're in this together. Now, you and I are just like Israel back in those days. In our different ways, you can say Exodus chapter 32, verse 30 to us. We have sinned a great sin. We have basically loved the good things that God has given us, but we've not really loved Him that much. And we have just uh, wanted at the good life without God. But because Jesus had this special relationship, he now says, look, uh, I have got a relationship with, uh, with these people, my father. Therefore, I'm going to use my leverage, my, my relationship with you, I'm going to use that as leverage to have, to bring you and your people together and if you look, just keep a finger in page 75 and turn to John chapter 17 and verse 24. And that is on page 
John chapter 17 and verse 24 is on page. Just my fingers are getting stuck. 903. You beat me to it. Okay. John chapter 17 verse 24. And Jesus says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Do you follow the argument? The Father has loved the Son since the foundation of the world. The Son has all the favor of his Father. And now he says, because that is the case, because you have a great favor and regard for me, well, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. I want to be glued to your people. And if you have glued your favor to me, then it follows that you have got to glue your favor and blessing to your people as well. And we need to understand that that actually is how it is with the Lord Jesus for three reasons. Maybe you're someone who is today uh, new to Christian things. Maybe you're listening to this uh, on the tape. And it may be that you might say, well, I don't know uh, if there is a God. Or it may be that you can say, well, I'm not sure whether I am a Christian or not. Sometimes I think I am, sometimes I think I'm not. How can I know for sure? I think one of the ways you can know for sure is by asking yourself, what do you really want to happen when you die? What kind of future have you got in your mind? Are you just looking for a really great place called heaven where everything is flowing with milk and honey, if I can use that language, of abundance and luxury? Is that good life for you, the best it gets? Where perhaps you can be in a place with uh, lots of other people who are equally nice the way that you're nice? And where your family and your friends are all there partying together? Is that the kind of view of the future that you would really love to have? Well, my friend, in that case, you are not a Christian. Because what you want is a future of everything without God there. And that is ultimately not what a Christian would uh, say. A Christian would say to have a future like that is not heaven, it is hell. Because if God is not there, then ultimately there are people who are not going to be changed perfectly to be like him. And if God is not there and changing people to be like him, then essentially you are going to be in a place where there is no love. Lots of milk and lots of honey, but lots of broken relationships because people don't understand how to handle each other the way God does as he leads them by his presence, making them like him. So my friend, it is just really important for us to understand that God made us not for a place of wonderful things, but where he is somewhere 
in the background mostly invisible he has made us for a life where he lives in the center of us changing us he made us to be in his image in the image of the Lord Jesus and if that is not the central joy of heaven us being like him then we haven't really got it and we've no real desire for what God has promised in the future we've got no desire for God himself we just love his gifts but it may be something that you want to do tonight to change your way of thinking to think God my life without you in the center of it would be an absolute disaster whatever I, whatever I have or all the yeah, I may have everything but if you are not in the center of my life it is going to be a complete disaster please let me be like the people in this story they had a complete change of heart and they say please would you would you come and live with us and change us to be like you so we can have a new purpose in our lives to be like you in front of a watching world ask God to make you uh, like him to ask for that change maybe that you're someone who has been to church lots and you might say well we're different aren't we because we know about God we don't just simply have an empty canvas with good things but without God in it well yes officially we might say that but the reality is that actually we want the same thing and people can come to church in order to if you like leave a God to give them the good stuff that they ultimately want so you might have heard the prosperity gospel which plays that card you go to church and you do stuff that in the end will make God give you the kind of uh, abundance that you desire and that comes through so we're finding that out in practice is if for example this family that uh, would claim to be a Christian family when their son or daughter goes off to university what do they want do they want them to spend the next three years growing to be like the Lord Jesus in a place where they are hearing him explained and where their maturity will grow or are they just basically saying look okay uh, you're, you're, you're a Christian uh, that's not the important thing go for exam success just get the results come out with the highest degree that you can get and then get the biggest job you can that's part of a symptom of wanting the good stuff God not so important and that kind of uh, uh, understanding we need to change our minds and to see that that would be a complete disaster that is not a great ambition to have it is a disaster to have everything without God in the center of our lives our first prayer should be for our children uh, as well as for us as God whatever happens help them to be help them to be wanting you and to be growing in your likeness whatever other success or failure they might experience along the way
Or thirdly, it may be that you are someone who is a Christian and you uh, love God's presence, you value that, you treasure it. What is uh, the, uh, the way in which you have and enjoy the presence of God now? It is the only way you can enjoy God's presence now is by listening to what he says in his word, in the Bible. The only way that we have any contact with God in a way that is going to enhance our relationship with him is when we listen to what he says here. And as we do that, what is our chief delight? It is that God will grow us as he speaks to us from the Bible, that is the sign of God's presence with us. If you don't hear God speak to you from the Bible, then I don't know on what basis you will claim that God is with you. But when God speaks to us from Scripture and his presence is with us in that way, then what happens is we get changed to be like him and we become a dazzling witness for the whole world to see what it is like to have a life reshaped and uh, made to look like God. And so therefore the whole missionary project is uh, furthered every time a person becomes a Christian because the watching world can see the difference that God makes as they listen to his voice, as they become like him. And the Christian daydream, as they yearn for heaven, is not just for a great luxurious paradise that they will live in with everything that they want, but they will be yearning for a special place where God is in the center, and where because he is in the center of our future, at last we will finally get to be like him and start relating like him and thinking like him and acting like him perfectly the way that we would love to do here but are frustrated because we never make it and get it right and so therefore one of the great joys of uh, this chapter for us tonight is to send us back saying Lord the one thing I want in my life in this new week is for you to be in the center of my world and the way you will be in the center of my world is if you speak to me through your word in in the Bible and as you speak to me through your word in the Bible change me increasingly to be like you and as you do that may my life be a radiant witness to the people who I meet this week that they may understand what the true and living God is like and understand the difference that he makes. Now let's uh, stop there and uh, uh, gather our thoughts. It may be that uh, uh, you would like a moment of quiet to pray to God. Uh, let me uh, uh, stop. But I mean, subs, let me uh, pray. Father, we do want to thank you for the way that you help us to see life very differently to the way we would normally see it as you help us to see that to have everything but without you, uh, that in the end that would be a complete disaster. 
And I pray, Lord, that you will please uh, help us to uh, uh, see things in a new way. We don't normally see things like that. But help us to see it like that so that we might understand the greatest blessing is not to have everything without you, but to have you at the centre of our lives. Help us to really want that with all our hearts. Help us to really seek that as we listen to your voice in your word, in the Bible. And please would you change us to be like you this week as you live in the centre of our lives that we might be a credible witness to Lord Jesus on our estate and wherever we bump into people. For the glory of your name we pray. Amen.